obviously want to uh, talk about the uh, new album and touring yeah. and, and some All old craziness. Yeah, and some old shows and stuff. But I feel like we kind of kind of got to start off with this pandemic that we're all going through. And where were you when the shelter in place order came down? The lockdown came down. Were you out? Oh there? man, I, I remember it very clearly. I mean, I remember it being March 12th and Trump saying. Hey, we gotta we gotta close down travel from Europe because Italy's a mess and you know all that stuff and you know getting a, you know Europe bashing for it, a bunch of people in the United States bashing for it, just like they're bashing for the China thing and said, oh, you're xenophobic and racist and all that stuff. But March 12th happened and then and then it was that weekend, you know that was like a Tuesday I think, a Thursday, and then Friday March 13th and then Saturday March 14th. That weekend, so many people came at home at the same time from Europe because. You know, they thought they, for some reason, thought they wouldn't be able to get back in. But it's like, you can come back whenever you want. I wish they would have staggered the flights back, you know, all those mayors and, and governors of every state. Not let everyone fly back at the same exact time that weekend. And then, wouldn't you know it, four weeks later, we have the peak of the surge, yeah. you know? So it was like that weekend. And I cannot believe that the media, no one's talking about that, how horribly that weekend was done by everybody involved, you know? Trump, the governors, the mayors, you know, who's in charge of these these airports and can call this, these uh, airlines and say, hey, man, don't offer all these flights at the same time. You know, stagger them. Make sure when people are coming back in the United States, it's very easy to quarantine them or whatever. It was people packed like sardines every major airport in the United States. And then they went up, went off to wherever the hell they live. And it's like, had we done that one weekend better, it would have changed the whole the whole dynamic. Either way, we would have shut down. And then, we, you know, the, the economic issues we have now, we were already in the process of shutting down, regardless of if middle of April was when it was really bad. So it sucks, but, you know, hopefully we open up knowing that there will be some more death. It's like, it's a trade-off, you know? You can't just have zero death and have an economy that works for people and doesn't kill people by making it so they can't eat what they need to eat or stress or they commit suicide or, you know, whatever, because they don't have any job or any life they can live, you know? There's risk involved just driving a car every day. I mean, there's got to exactly, be... Exactly, man. It's, you know, it's 3 million people die in the United States every year. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's like, what is the cause du jour of what the media pushes on people and say, well, you need to care about this. And it's like, then they super super care about it you know like over more than they've ever cared about anything you know it's yeah. just like you know half a million people die of heart attacks every year you know <laughs> and, and uh, you know, there's stuff like that and it's just it's just crazy to me that everybody just everybody was all fear you know every i think even the politicians were afraid and didn't know exactly what the hell was going on you know so i don't think anyone knew what was going on nobody was using science or data or anything it was just like bad stuff's happening in, in italy and they can't even handle it their hospitals and so we just wanted to make sure that didn't happen here and and we did a good job of that you know because new york city was the closest to being like Italy, but they never ran out of room. They, they never even used the Javits Center or the USNS Comfort, which is a Navy hospital. It was like empty, both those things. So never was there a problem where New York City couldn't you know, take care of patients and stuff. So we should only have shut down if your city has a risk of its local hospitals being overrun, you know? Right. Yeah. Do it per hospital space, I guess, you know, per, yeah, per we capacity. need to like figure out guidelines, you know, it's like, okay, if the number of beds are at this level and, and they're running out of it very fast, then shut that, that county down, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the, but until the numbers say to do it, don't do it because the economic damage is just 
you can't reverse that economic damage very quickly. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, speaking of yeah. economic damage, I mean, it's certainly a touring, a big part of it. And curious to get your take on kind of what you imagine touring to be like. Do you think we just kind of turn the switch back on or kind of you as you being an artist, what's going to make you feel safe as an artist to get back out there on the, the touring well, machine? Well, here's the thing. Here's every county in the United States has a grocery store. Right? People need to go buy food. They need to buy stuff. They're going to go there. So you're literally sharing the same space with your entire county, and everybody's going to the same place in that, that little city or county, you know? So it's like every single one of the, the grocery stores in America didn't have some COVID floating around in it. I'd be baffled, you know? I'm sure it does. So I'm sure people are getting exposed to this one way or another. So I look at the economic damage, and my, my thing is open up now 100%. And even then, you're going to get a lot, you're going to get a big percentage of people that are still too afraid. They're still too scared to do it. So, you know, we got to just roll out the mat and say, let's go, knowing that still 30, 40% of people won't, won't go out, you know, and, and slowly will they start being, you know, not be afraid enough to go out and everything. So I'm, I'm like, let's go, let's open it. You know, I mean, I just don't know what the difference between having 20,000 people at a concert and maybe there's some sick people there or having 200 people at a a small acoustic show or something, you know, it's right. like people, if people are going to restaurants and if they're going hanging out with buddies and friends and it, they're going to get it either way. I mean, is there any study that shows that, you know, large concerts spread the flu more in certain areas than if you don't have concerts? I mean, we don't, you know, we don't know that kind of stuff, yeah. but I just think we're making decisions that are going to have real bad long-term implications based off whims, a hunch, you know, it's just... It's probably, I think in six months, humanity will look back at this all around the world, I think, and just be like, we totally let fear drive us. And now we're going to have to deal with a, a couple of years long depression, I'm sure. You know, I mean, 50 million people are out of jobs right now. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Feel like the effects makes for it a long horrible time. for people. Los Angeles, like so many people, rely on restaurants and rely on bars and st- for their jobs. You know, a lot of bar- like a lot of people I know, you know, yep. are, are hurting, hurting in LA. So I just I feel bad for, for a lot of people, man. Yeah, no, my my wife, matter of fact, this week has been furloughed by her employer, so I'm feeling it right in my own house. So I, I totally yeah, yeah, right. It's like it's hit, it's like they say, you know, recessions when you know. Someone down the street lost their job, you know, or depressions when you lo- when someone in your family loses their job or, you know, can't go to work and this and that, you know. So I just, I really hope that it turns around because 50 million jobs lost will turn into 100 million because it just, it just, you know, it kills the economy, you know, kills transactions. And we got to be out there buying drinks and buying food and buying concert tickets and merch and all that good stuff, you know. Yeah, we need that entertainment. We need that distraction, I think, more now oh, than totally. ever from reality. Let's talk a little bit about more than ever. About, about, we are offering up to the world with uh, shadow work and uh, coming out on June the 19th. And was there any sort of mission statement for this album or was it just kind of like, hey, here's the next batch of songs ready to be released to the world? Well, no, I mean, uh, this record's definitely, you know, one of the deeper ones for me, for sure, because, you know, I got into Carl Young, you know, like psychology stuff, you know, a few years ago, and uh, he just has some really good ways of compartmentalizing, you know, what life's about and how to feed your creative side and feed your compassion side, and all the different facets you have of yourself, you know, but mostly admitting who you really are to yourself. And so shadow work concept is like, you know, I'm never lazy. 
no way. It's like, yes, you are. You do have laziness in you, but you repress it. Because if you sit around and you're just like, want to waste a day, somehow you feel like a loser. Doesn't mean that you don't have some laziness in you, like you want to lounge out and just hang out sometimes. But, you know, it's like you deny that part of yourself. So, you know, some people say, I'm never angry. I'm never mean. I'm never, you know, it's like, yes, you are. <laughs> sometimes you're going to get angry at people. Sometimes you're going to want to say mean things. So it doesn't make you a bad person. But if you say you're not that at all, then that side of you is just going to get worse. You're just going to be more and more ignorant of it. So that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, you got a good side and, and a bad side according to you. And you got to really take that bad side that you think is bad and, and hold it even closer to you than that good side. So you can use it and you can be conscious of it and not have it do things and you deny it and be like, oh, that, that, that wasn't me. I was too drunk or whatever, you know? It's like, that's the whole thing with this record. It's just like, who are you? Admit that to yourself and then work on it and, and be conscious of everything that's going on. So all the songs really have a lot to do with that light, dark, yin-yang, you know, good-evil thing that we have going on, like that, that dichotomy, you know? So, yeah, all the songs definitely have that, that vibe to it. The balance of life. Yeah, totally. Really amazing to see. It's not often you see in a band where the drummer becomes a lead guitarist, but I guess that goes to show how talented uh, Brendan is. Yeah, man, it was it was perfect. Yeah, it was just you know, he joined the band yeah, you know, as, as a drummer in 2016, and then he always could play guitar well, and he's loving playing guitar more than more than drums, but big time. And uh, you know, we write really well together. You know, we get our acoustics out and all that stuff. And uh, he's just been a great addition to the to the band and. and uh, yeah, the last four years been great with him. For you, looking back on this album now that it's done and in the can, is there is there a really proud moment? Is there one riff or a lyric or a, or a bridge or or a, a note you hit or a song structure that you're like, yeah, that's that's it. That I nailed it right there. Yeah, man, we got like most of this album. There's a song called "Tell Me How You Really Feel," and it's just like a you know, it's really melodic and and it's like a kind of like an echo type song for us, um, but it's upbeat, you know. It's got a lot of energy to it. And it's just that whole thing about, you know, really the hardest thing in relationships is like telling the person how you really feel, knowing that it's going to, it might start a fight or it might hurt that person, or, you know, they may not respond the way you want them to. So there's so many reasons why you wouldn't want to tell someone how you really feel, but that's the biggest thing in relationships. Like no matter what you're feeling, the other person has to know, because if you cover that up for whatever reasons, then the other person's in the dark and then you both, you know, mess, mess with each other because you don't understand each other. I really uh, love that one. You know, tell me how you really feel. I really like the new single, the first single, Make Out Alive, was the last song written for the album. And it just came like in five minutes, 10 minutes. Brendan had a cool verse thing. And, and then we just worked out chorus to it that that was bouncy and that moved real well. And then the, the lyric, Make Out Alive, just came out of my mouth. It was like, boom, just didn't even think about it, didn't even write it. It just came out and um, recorded on my phone and that was it. And, uh, you know, I really think it's a, it's a perfect song for what's for what we're going through right now. I mean, I wrote it when things were starting to happen in Europe and it was already real bad in China and everything. You know, it's just like, we'll, we'll make it out alive just like we do every test that America had. We've we passed, I feel. And I think this will be another situation that we, we get through as a, as a country and that we're stronger for it, you know, having gone through it and staring in the, in the abyss of the unknown and then coming out this other side, better people, better country, better better world, hopefully. You know, we have, we have a really cool lyric video, you know, just 
pro America and what what we're having to go through right now. And I'm really really excited about that. But this is a bunch. You know, we we have like snippets to three new songs that make it out alive. Tell me how you really feel and far enough away. Another one I really like. It's a ballad song. And uh, but but I think every song that we have on this album has its own unique character to it. Not, it doesn't sound like the same song over and over again. Yeah, I'm really excited about getting this out to people. You know, you had mentioned Make It Out Alive and that kind of being one of the last songs for the album and how you just wrote it in a couple minutes. Curious if yeah. curious if, uh, if Headstrong was like that too or if, or if that was... You know, it's funny. It, it was. It was, it was. It's like I walked in the rehearsal spot and our, our drummer and our bass player, Pete, was playing drums and a guitar player at the time was playing the guitar and, and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And so we got, got our, our real driver and started playing and, and we put it all together and I wrote the lyrics for... The chorus of Headstrong, like, just didn't even write anything down or think about it. It just came out, the Headstrong thing, you know. Just like, back off, I'll take you a Headstrong. You know, the whole thing just came out of my mouth. <laughs> it was like, that is like what I try to have happen as much as possible, you know. The song just comes, you know. You're not forcing it or trying to find the right parts. They just come, you know. And I think those are always the best songs. Capturing lightning in a bottle. Yeah, man. It's just, so you're capturing the motion, you know. It's like, you gotta, you just gotta... When you feel that emotion and you and you've been able to connect some words to that, like you just you go and you finish it, you know. Did you know at that point, like you obviously the song Headstrong came together, but were you like, oh, that's a hit, or you're like, oh, it's just another album? Well, we we all thought Echo would be the biggest hit, you know. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's like Headstrong did really well, obviously, and we we're like, oh, that'll, that'll get us to a good point, and then we'll do another song, and then we'll get to the big one, Echo, <laughs> and it was just Headstrong was the big one, you know, and so you know when you have a major label that. It's riding high off a hit song. Like they, they just, they just push that one song. You know, for I mean, they they pushed the other couple of songs, but it was just like headstrong all day, every day. But I'm so happy that the song still, still kicks ass and still people still lift, listen to the hell out of it and uh, enjoy it and, and you know sports and different TV shows and all this stuff use it all the time. So I'm I'm so excited about the the fact that that song. I think we'll stand a test of time, you know? Absolutely. Just, and even to have written now. one of those is pretty cool, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and certainly relevant now with everything going on. And uh, appreciate all the time. I wanted to ask you about a couple old shows. You're, you're a band from uh, more Northern California. We're Southern California-based radio station about an hour east of uh, L.A. out in the Inland Empire. And yeah. was it, it wasn't too long ago you were out there for Mudfest at Silver Lakes in yeah. Orco back in October. And wanted to see if you had any uh, any memories from that specific show or, or the Mudfest shows in general playing with Puddle of Mud. Oh man, it's uh, Puddle's been awesome, guys. It, they've been killing it. You know, the last year we did a lot of shows with them. That Norco show was awesome. I mean, anytime we come to Southern California, it's always an amazing time. It was a great show. The fans there are, are awesome, you know. And uh, that particular show, uh, Norco, I think one of the better shows of the year, I think. And that was like nice, and the perfect buzz on, you know. <laughs> hit a little bit of Mary Jane, and I walked out there, and it just felt perfect, you know. And that's my favorite shows. <laughs> I can imagine that's like the the perfect way to set it off. And and you know one yeah. other one other old show I wanted to ask you about uh, going back to 2008 back at uh, San Manuel Amphitheater as it was called back then and Crew Fest and any memories yeah. from from that tour and and that show and yeah man 
I loved uh, hanging out with those guys, you know, the Molly Crew and all the other great bands were on that tour. But it was so cool that you know, Tommy Lee had his undressing room, which I thought was hilarious, you know. <laughs> and he would always have a huge party after every show that we did. Like, just he'd be DJing, playing songs he likes and everything, and people just partying in his dressing room, <laughs> the undressing room. But uh, he was hilarious, such a great guy. I mean, all, all the guys, like Nikki Six, just a really level-headed, cool dude. Vince, just fun, party guy. And Mick is just stinky serious, but whenever he opens his mouth, it's always something hilarious. <laughs> they killed it. I mean, they were very professional. It sounded amazing. People at the shows were just like, you know, having the time of their lives, you know? Did you check out The Dirt? Um, yeah, dude. It's awesome. I love that. That movie is great. Uh, it really, you know, gave you a really a huge insight into what, what that band went through. I mean, just the crazy debauchery. And <laughs> I'm sure half of it they don't even remember, but completely living life to absolute edge, you know? That's <laughs> pretty awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, since we're just having some fun talking about being music fans, I wanted a little musical game I like to kind of play with everyone I talk to. You know, talking about the Motley Crue, they certainly owned and ruled the 80s and wanted to kick it up to the 90s, you know, the grunge movement. But I, I, I've renamed the grunge movement. The, the Flannel Five is what I like to call it. And I'm curious who your favorite of the Flannel Five would be. Not that they could tour or anything, but just your favorite band out of Nirvana. Yeah, out of that. I think, um, you know, when I was 10, I, I, I got into Chili Peppers and Pearl Jam. I see an even flow on MTV, you know, it's like, that's amazing. I love that. And um, that's when I really got into music was Pearl Jam and all that. And, um, you know, Alice in Chains were awesome. Um, Soundgarden, amazing. So those, those bands are, were first. Metallica obviously was in there. And then, you know, Tool and then Incubus and all that kind of stuff. So it was like definitely like started with the grunge, went to the new metal for a bit, you know, <laughs> Limp Bizkit, like Corn and all that stuff. And then started really getting into like older stuff like Pink Floyd and U2 and Fleetwood Mac, like really good songwriters. Uh, out of those, the, the five, you would say, what, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alston Chains. Stone Temple Pilots is what, the other one. Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, dude, I love, we, we, do, we used to do a cover of Plush. It was always fun to sing that song. It's a good karaoke song because everyone's got that range, you know? <laughs> out of the five, who would be your, your numero uno out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden? I'd, I'd probably say Alice in Chains. Yeah. Right now. But back then, Pearl Jam. Back in the day, but now today. And, and I love what Alice is doing with William Duvall and, and still putting yeah. out great great records. Totally. And I, just like, I think that Alice in Chains' sound has just kept going too. So it's like, like bands that are new band, like so many of them like sound like thousand chains like to the t you know like really using that sound and it, and it works it's a great sound for for active rock radio and uh you know speaking you're talking earlier about reading a lot of psychology and and i've always been curious about that topic myself my dad was a clinical psychologist growing up so i got yeah. a little bit of it but uh, i'm always curious with the question and, and kind of a hypothetical one but can you separate the art from the artist um you know i can sure i mean <laughs> like you know raise against machine is a perfect example of a band who i would always want to listen to music but their politics i think are, are dumb <laughs> you know it's like weird to me like to be a band and, and be like against corporate stuff and, and be more communist or whether they say that they're into that socialism whatever and then like totally use a, a huge corporation to, to blow your music up you know and, and, then, and then it's like they're 
stumping for, you know, Biden and the DNC and all that stuff. So it's like, that's cool to hate Trump and everything. But it's like, at this point, if you do a show and you like really are like behind Biden and all this stuff and against Trump, it's like almost kind of like rage with the machine, you know? <laughs> so I just, you know, but it doesn't matter. I still love the music, still think it's great. So it doesn't bother me in any any way what they do in their lives or what they say. The music's going to be the same, you know? That's a that's a great example of that. I'm I've been trying to go through that with my own self and and being a metal guy and and there's some some metal bands. I don't know if you've ever heard the band As I Lay Dying. Yeah, and I've heard. It's kind of a, a crazy story about the singer unknowingly hiring an undercover cop to oh, kill his yeah, wife. Yeah, I, I do remember that. What happened with that? He's still in jail. For he got that? sent to six years out. He only did two, and he's gotten the band back together, and they're touring and have a new album out. And I've kind of conflicted on how to feel about that. Oof. Have they even gone out and done a tour yet? Or oh yeah, they're, and they're 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 playing clubs and selling them out. So yeah, so so it didn't hurt them. I, I, apparently not. I mean, I think they would have played maybe bigger venues, but they're. I, I think they're underplaying on purpose and and crushing it. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, you'd, yeah, you'd have to. I don't know. Like, what, did he? Have, did he even say anything? Like, well, hey, you know, I've I've learned and I've done some soul searching. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I've. You know. And hopefully, he, you know. He blamed it on steroids too. At the same token, he was doing a lot of steroids at the time. Oh uh, yeah. So rage. just mentally not you know angry at his wife and this and that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. It is. It is. I've been on the fence about that one. Like the Lost Profits thing. Everybody, yeah. You've heard of the band. Yeah, I know that band that, as well. That, that's that's never coming back. <laughs> that 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 was way too far over the line. Yeah, yeah, what that guy did. Yeah, and we don't even have to talk about that. Good on the drummer to get out way in advance. You know what that guy's doing these days? No, no. He's the drummer in Nine Inch Nails. Oh, right on. He's loving it. Good for him. <laughs> Couple last things for you here, Chris, and I appreciate all the time. One other one other thing I like to ask people, and it kind of a fill in the blank question, but. Uh, for you personally, when it comes to blank, I spare no expense. What is it? What's what's your one thing that that you all out on? Scotch. Scotch. Got to have a real aged scotch and burns and just makes you feel manly. You know, I, I try not to go for like the, the the black label, you know, or like the doers. I try to go for like the frog or there's a bunch of great. I'm just a scotch kind of dude you know so that that's like what if i'm at a bar and it's like sometimes i just want to just sip on a really good scotch that was the first thing that came to mind but there's probably a bunch of other stuff where i'm like let's not spare any expenses but you know i'm, I'm the kind of guy that wants to go find like an all-inclusive thing to mexico you know so that's probably sparing some expenses <laughs> i like the scotch though i like that that popped out immediately yeah. are, are you like a single malt or, yeah. or like on the rocks or what straight up oh, and water neat just neat like don't don't put anything maybe i ask you but that's it okay okay <laughs> yeah. last thing for you I've, I've always loved the quote and I, I think you'd appreciate it too actually i think the first time i heard it was actually from prince of all people but it's been said a million times but to be great is to be misunderstood yeah yeah i mean look at the people who the, the guy who first said or the earth is round and it's not flat you know <laughs> or the guy who said oh no that we revolve around the sun. The world doesn't doesn't revolve around us. You know, some of the biggest ideas, or brilliant people, you know, had to 
basically convinced society that they were right, you know, and everybody was telling them they were wrong, you know. So it's because somebody like who's great or, you know, brilliant or whatever finds how to get some work first. Like there's something about them that just figured it out like musically or with the internet or technology or whatever. They, they reach that level first, you know, and then people have to, you know, a lot of times people like a new technology or, you know, new music or a new kind of band comes out. People just, you know, slam it, you know, like it's, it's wrong or this is, you know, it's too different or whatever. And then it ends up being the biggest thing ever. You know? All right. And certainly everything that you're, you're having to face on Twitter these days and, and <laughs> the barrage that it's been for you. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to say one thing about that. Yeah, like, certainly. Like I've, I've never tweeted at anybody uh, unprovoked or out of the blue, just like who can I come after? I never would want to do that. Don't care about that, but I will defend myself. And if someone wants to say something about my band or whatever, that's not true. I'm going to say, well, that's not true and show them why it's not true you know and and i'm also you know somebody who is passionate about you know my country and, and the, the direction it's going and everything and i like to let my fans know who i am and what i'm about and you know very small percentage maybe five ten percent are intolerant of my views sometimes or you know but that's okay you know i'm fine with that and nobody has to agree on everything totally agree or disagree and i've been able to really make the trap facebook page into something where i can i can do a post about the crazy things that are going on in our government and and then, you know, have good discussions with them about it. So I love that. But mainly that I'm not out there trying to go on the offense on, on anybody. I, I, you know, all I want to do is have good conversations on online and talk about real issues and all that stuff and see what people think about it. You know, what fans think about it and all that. And of course, there's going to be people who are trolls or hating on you and this and that. But um, people say I'm starting things and I'm not starting anything. You know, I'm just basically responding to people tweeting at me or whatever and saying my piece, you know. And any boxing in the future or has that just been all blown out of proportion as well. I, yeah, I, you know, it, talking on Twitter with somebody and they were like, oh, something, something about like Sumerian bands or do better than you or whatever. And, you know, IT and body counters and I'm like, well, Trap's got a ton more listeners, you know, streaming listeners all across the country than Ice-T and body count. And uh, just tweeted that to somebody and then that person tagged Ice-T in it or something. And then Ice-T got, got angry about that. He like, was like, I'll see you around. You know, as if to say, I'll beat you up for saying that you have more streaming numbers, listeners than I did. And I just thought that was so ridiculous. And that's what started that whole feud back and forth. And he just kept tweeting about having respect for you with this or that or whatever. And then, you know, all his fans jumping on me, you know, saying, you, you, you need to fight Ice T. And I'm like, dude, let's go then. I don't care. You know, like, I just got annoyed with it. And then, like, uh, like a couple of days ago, I said, I got tweet to him again because he, he just keeps tweeting at, about me or at me. And I'm like, look, at our ages, especially your age, uh, it would be a bad look to get in the ring with anybody. You know, it's just stupid. <laughs> just tweeted and then hopefully that ends it. But um, yeah, I was just, you know, somebody threatens you with physical violence, like, what are you going to do? You're either going to, you know, say, bring it on or, you know, whatever. It's like, you're not going to just back down or be scared of these people or whatever. I, I'm not afraid of anybody. So, you know, if they want to do what they got to do, then they got to do what they got to do. But I'm not, not somebody who looks for fights or wants to get into fights. I think it's stupid, childish stuff, but I will defend myself. And, uh, you know, I won't back down from an argument or a debate, you know, you know I'm going to go all the way on it. But uh, yeah, definitely not a guy who's like looking to get get kid fights. You know, just ridiculous <laughs> it, at our ages. You know, yeah, especially with everything else going on in the world. I think you yeah, know, fighting is is the last thing that we need to worry about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Especially amongst musicians, like you all need to be bound together right now. Well, look, the, the, what happened was, you know, I'm I'm out there saying some of the stuff that I believe politically and this now on Twitter and sharing what I want to share on there and this now and Facebook. Then you get people who just want to bash your you personally 
insult you personally or insult your band and all this and then you're going to say no that's that's not true what you're saying and then these other bands jumping in there saying you know saying whatever they're saying and um, and it's just like a gang up on me and it started because of this what I'm saying that's literally all it is I'm saying stuff that they are on the opposite side of and you know a lot of these left wing bands are they're Bernie supporters and that they made that very known that they hate Trump and all that stuff and that's fine and no, no one has an issue but if I take that opposite side everybody's got an issue over it that's what happened I made the choice to publicly support my president, you know, on our social media sites and all that, and and then and that's when this whole thing started. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started. Otherwise, there would have been no back and forth. There would have been no bashing on anybody. You know, it's because I started saying some stuff. Other side doesn't like it, and, and instead of just debating on it, they just want to insult me or my band. You know? Right? Then actually debate. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's no. Yeah, they got nothing other than insults. Sad. Yeah. Well, Chris, I appreciate all the time.